Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Do you ever wish you could get more from your podcast? Well, you can with BuzzFeed Daily, hosted by me, Casey Rackham. And me, Zach Safford. On our show, we've got more good news and more pop culture. More memes and more celebrity tea. More of everything that's blowing up your timeline and trending on the internet. Every weekday evening, we're giving you more of what you need to enjoy your day. Because what's life if it isn't to be enjoyed? Listen to BuzzFeed Daily on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome to Fantasy Sports Today. We've hit the midway point in your week as we close in on the end of Hanukkah. The beginning, of course, of Christmas is coming up. Welcome to Fantasy Sports Today. I'm Craig Mish, along with Joe Pizzapia. The year 2020 is coming quickly to an end, and that is good news, of course, for all of us. Unfortunately, for some of your fantasy teams, I know it may have ended with a whimper and certainly will continue to press on. We've got a lot to talk about here on today's show. The college football playoff is heating up. We've got the updated standings to see who could potentially be playing in the playoff and in the national championship. Full slate of college football games this weekend. And then a quick turnaround. The bowl games begin next week. I've never seen this before, but it starts next week. And so we're going to cover it all for you here on the show today. Good to see you, Joe. What's going on? Likewise, my friend. And yes, and if you live in the East Coast, you could take out all your fantasy football frustrations on the snow. You could shovel your way out of it and just just tunnel all those frustrations right into the snow. I will be hunkered down because that's what you do. I don't I don't know what that means. It's the only time you hunker, apparently, is when there's a snowstorm. I guess you guys hunker, too, down in Florida, right? Yeah. There's hunkering for natural disasters. Do you have a hunker pose or a hunker treat or any sort of hunker shows? Like, what what does your hunkering look like down in South Florida? Well, it's usually summertime, so mm -hmm. it's it's definitely staying in the it's house. A summer hunker. Okay. Yeah, it, I mean, it depends on how serious. If it's life and death, it's hunkering somewhere else as as opposed to where I live, maybe going more inland somewhere. But mm -hmm. fortunately, we haven't had that issue in, I think, three years. And honestly, this would have been a really bad year to have to have that happen. Oh, we got, I that was the one imagine. thing we got. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. that was the one thing we really got bailed out <laughs> this year was having any. Do you have a hunker pose? Is it like this? This kind of a pose? Like what's your hunkering oh, look yeah. like? Like this? I feel like this should be mine. This is going to be my hunker pose all two hours of the show tomorrow. That's that's what it's going to look like. Get ready. Everyone. You're just going to hunker it, hunker it in. Well, I'm, I'm sorry that you got some snow there. It's uh, 72 oh, and sunny foot. today here. <laughs> a foot. That's right, what they're well, saying. We'll see if they're right. We'll see. All right. Well, it's 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 uh. Well, I'll, I'll check out the uh, fantasy weather black book and see if if they got a <laughs> projection on that tomorrow and see what they say. Who's in the uh, top fifteen of our RPW RP weather? Okay. Uh, Wednesday headlines here on the show. Let's get to it. Hey, best news of the day: Keontae Johnson now in stable condition. He's mm -hmm. talking to his family and his doctors. If you don't know who Keontae Johnson is, he plays for the University of Florida Gators. My school basketball player who collapsed on the court last Saturday and looks like he's making some progress. That's good news for him. Uh, Tara Van Dever becomes the winningest NCAA women's coach of all time. Congratulations to her. We do have quite a bit of baseball to cover here on the show today. 
Buster Posey is going to remain the Giants' primary catcher for 2021, says Gabe Kapler in an interview earlier today. James Harden returns yesterday. Everyone had a lot of fun with the way that he looked on the court. Yesterday, he looked a little different than thin. I'll leave it at that. 21 points, 12, uh, 21 minutes, 12 points in his preseason debut with Houston. So we'll see how things work out for the Rockets. The NBA, of course, comes up this weekend. And also Major League Baseball made the announcement, really interestingly enough and very well done, that all the Negro League games that were played in the past are now all being counted as Major League Baseball games. And that will be affected statistically in the record books. And uh, really something that should have been done a long time ago, Joe. Obviously, the talent was there. You had players playing in that league that could have easily played in Major League Baseball. But until Jackie Robinson came into the league, they simply did not allow African-Americans to play. A, uh, a travesty to a lot of those players who should have been in the Major League Baseball record books. But that was the big announcement from Major League Baseball today. So every once in a while, baseball does a really nice thing. And today was that day. Yeah, and as we welcome in our radio audience here to Fantasy Sports today on Sports Grid, the Major League Baseball announcement of, of counting the Negro League games and stats that they have as Major League stats, I think is terrific. I mean, I think it's a great gesture, probably overdue as well. And uh, look, baseball has been behind a lot of things, but the one thing it was on the forefront was the color line. So it's the one thing or one of the few things that Major League Baseball really did get it right. And uh, they were the first to actually have, obviously, Jackie Robinson, and we saw the floodgates open after that, and it changed the game forever and for the better. And, uh, you know, those Negro League stories and some of those uh, incredible, there's there's lots of documentation, lots of writings, there's lots of interviews. You can go back, Ken Burns Baseball has some fantastic ones, I know. Uh, and it's a fascinating period. You've seen a few films on it. I'd like to see more to be honest with you, because I think it's a fascinating time in America, and it's a piece of America people don't realize. I don't think enough how much of an alternate universe almost existed. They were black newspapers. They were all black uh, um, baseball clubs. They were all black, you know, different pieces of media and things like that that covered these games and and housed these players. And it was almost like a, a secondary society. As crazy as that seems to imagine, that's what existed during that time. And it's great that these players have gotten recognition over the years. I'm still heartbroken that Buck O'Neill didn't get that moment. They elected him after he passed away. And this was a great ambassador of the game, not just of the Negro Leagues, but of Major League Baseball in general. And that, that was kind of heartbreaking. I don't know why the Hall of Fame does this, where they wait too long to put guys in. But this is a good move here by Major League Baseball. This is hopefully something that I think people will uh, continue to look back on and, and continue to discover some of these names and some of these great stories. And I haven't been there, Craig. Have you been to the Negro League Baseball Hall of Fame? Because I've heard it's fantastic. Yeah, it's in Kansas City. I have not, but several years ago, they had the Major League Baseball draft, and they honored all of the players in the Negro Leagues, and each team was represented by one player. I did have an opportunity to meet all of them uh, at the time. In fact, uh, one who I did meet who passed away a couple of days ago was Charlie Pride, the country singer. A lot of people don't realize he was also a Negro League not, baseball player. I, I did not know uh, yeah. that until just now. Wow. Yeah, wow. yeah, he what, was, what a life he was there. <laughs> Yeah, I don't remember what team he represented, but he he was there as well. So a uh, great day for sure. Wanted to mention that here on the show. I know it doesn't have a lot to do with fantasy, but it is part of reality. So that's what we'll cover. Mm -hmm. Speaking of which, a college football playoff has come down to its final weekend, essentially. Things could change, clearly. But uh, we're going to go over a couple of the interesting notes, the rankings, and of course the point spread with Clemson and Notre Dame. So we'll have that for you next right here on Fantasy Sports Today. Also some baseball discussion coming up down the grid. Your heart's 
Radio. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, everyone. It's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys. And I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down and too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life. So I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We, we gonna learn. And most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is going to be your church, your turn up, and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Football, let's not try and make it something that it's not. But this weekend, we're going to finally figure out who's getting into the college football playoff, or so we think. Of course, they released the rankings last night. And to the chagrin of uh, many people, uh, Cincinnati's on the outside looking in. My Gators did not really fall all that much uh, after their loss against LSU and the shoe-throwing incident. So that was good for me. And to think that Florida could get back into the championship by beating Alabama this weekend is not something that I thought. But, I mean, it it does give me a little bit of a glimmer of hope that that can happen, although uh, they are up against it going against Alabama. But, of course, the most compelling matchup of the weekend Probably is for the ACC championship as Clemson has their rematch against Notre Dame. And of course, we will remember in the first one, I was very, very vociferous that Clemson would destroy Notre Dame. And not only did they not, but Notre Dame won the game outright. This was without Trevor Lawrence, but it didn't make a difference. Clemson played no defense whatsoever in this one. If Mm -hmm. if Trevor Lawrence played, they still would not have won. And the total in this one is 60 and a half. Uh, Clemson is, is minus 10 and a half here. But it does make for more of an interesting story than the spread, even. I know for a lot of you, the spread is the most important story. But for a lot of people who may not bet on college football, the story here is what to do if Clemson beats Notre Dame in this matchup. Because Mm. then essentially, what will change in the Final Four? Probably nothing. And there's maybe those two teams just swap. And then Clemson goes to three. uh, Clemson goes to three, two. Notre Dame goes from two to three, and that's basically the end of the story. Now, if Notre Dame does pull off another upset against Clemson, then, Mm -hmm. of course, Clemson would be on the outside looking in at that point, I believe, with two losses, and then that would give at least Texas A&M, I think, the opportunity to jump into the college football championship. And so, Joe, that's kind of where things stand for the weekend. Um, Look, Notre Dame's quarterback has played very well this year, Ian Book, Mm -hmm. and so that really been a game changer for them it seems as though whenever he's inside the pocket he doesn't make good decisions but you get him moving on the run a little and then all of a sudden he's throwing touchdown passes all over the place I'm still not a believer in Notre Dame and and what's crazy to think amongst all of this is that Joe if if Notre Dame if Clemson does beat Notre Dame again Mm-hmm. Uh, on Saturday, meaning that they split the series, they're going to play probably for a third time yeah, in two that's weeks. That's what I want. 
and and then we'll get it's like this boxing championship where you're really going to get the winner there so um i don't know that i'm rooting for them to play three times against one another but i i certainly am not a huge backer of notre dame i've seen them get this far time and time again and get annihilated when they needed wins the most but it does seem like they are somewhat of a different team this year but we'll see you know what and and it's not a trap that you fall into it's the truth i think in years past you know notre dame looks good and then they go and measure up against some of the other big boy teams and then they fall short and historically that's where they've been the last few years but this year does feel a little bit differently and maybe it's because of the quarterback play but maybe it's also because of where some of the big boy teams are at this year you know i don't know how they measure up against alabama and we'll see if we get to find that out but clemson without Trevor Lawrence was not the same team as as most teams are without their star quarterback. And I think you can understand that this is a, a much, much better measuring stick. And if Notre Dame gets blown out, I think that says a lot more about, okay, that was probably a one-off without that quarterback. But you're right. The defense did not show up in that game. I'm sure they're going to show up this time. I can't imagine them falling flat twice. That would be fascinating. And and I don't know about you. I'm kind of rooting for this Clemson victory, and I want it to be kind of within this spread. Like, I, I'd like this to be a competitive game, and I personally, from a football standpoint, would love to see a third game between these guys in a neutral field setting. I think that would be super fun. And personally, I think that's where it's at. Now, if Notre Dame does kind of win out here, I don't think it's good for college football. I think you want Trevor Lawrence in this playoff. You want Clemson in that playoff. So I think it's for the betterment of college football that Clemson gets a W here. So we'll see what happens. This is going to be a fascinating game. I think it's four o'clock Eastern if memory serves here on the East coast. I'm going to be watching this game. I think it's going to be fantastic uh football television and that's all you can ask for craig and i'll tell you what it it would not shock me to see texas but what about this undefeated cincinnati team i feel like nobody gives them any credit yeah they're out (laughs) that's basically it the last playoff basically got them out so um i mean iowa state moved ahead of them uh they (laughs) they just are not getting the respect uh, playing the teams that they played against They'll play in a New Year's Day game, which used to be very prestigious. Is it prestigious in 2021? I'm not so sure. They've had a great year. They they deserve to be higher than nine. There's no doubt about that. But Mm -hmm. the SEC is always going to take precedent, and a two-loss Florida team is ahead of a no-loss Cincinnati team. Um, so that really just kind of what tells you what they think about the conferences. Also, Coastal Carolina's in at 12, but the Bulls do begin next week. We got some great games next week. UCF, BYU as, as one of the big ones already next mm-hmm. week before any of this stuff is determined. So odd year for sure. Normally, I'm doing a whole bowl preview of all the games. I'm doing the streams and things like that. I don't even know who's going to be in the games next week. It's very, it's very <laughs> difficult. But, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, look, I, I can't be foolish to go as strong against Notre Dame again a second time but what scares me a little bit for Clemson is again they it did it did not make a difference if Trevor Lawrence played in the last game they would have lost anyway they put up 40 mm-hmm. against Notre Dame and still lost their defense didn't come through so will they this time right. we'll see neutral site that's why they were a bigger favorite this time around but look mm-hmm. last time it didn't make a difference they uh, Clemson had one opportunity to win and cover that game late in the fourth quarter and come down as a touchdown, but Notre Dame came right back and then beat them in the end. Okay, let's move on to the NFL here. Now, over on the FanDuel Sportsbook, let's also keep it real. There are not a lot of tight odds as far as things in the NFL. We're, we've kind of reached the end of the season where there are overwhelming favorites for the MVP to make the playoffs. And, and of course, there's a couple teams that are still on the fringe of potentially making it, and we'll see how they do in the next few weeks. So hedging isn't the best option anymore unless you really feel strongly about something that's so far out there that no one has talked about. So what we've tried to do today is come up 
with one of the possibilities of things that can change. And I think Brett did well here because I think this is one where you could throw a dart at and maybe come up with a pretty decent dog here. Let's take a look at the NFL coach of the year. Mike Tomlin is the favorite at plus 160. But I got to tell you, there are a couple other coaches here that are lurking a little bit. A lot of things will have to happen for this to happen. But we could go through it. Ron Rivera's plus 350, Washington football team. Brian Flores of the Dolphins, plus 430. And I don't think Andy Reid is going to win it. I don't think Kevin Stefanski is going to win it, although that Monday night game would have definitely had him a little bit higher up mm. had they beaten Baltimore. But at this point, um, Cleveland is overachieving for sure, but not to the degree of Miami and Washington. So it, it it is compelling, this one here, Joe. A lot would have to happen, especially for Miami and Washington. Let's Let's keep it real. Washington, Joe, is going to have to win out, essentially, for, I think, Ron Rivera to win it. And I think for uh, Brian Flores to win it, the Dolphins have to make the playoffs, right? Like, I don't, I don't think mm-hmm. that it goes oh, without yeah. saying that that would have to happen. So which of Rivera or Flores do you think gives the best value after Tomlin? Well, look, I, I'm actually kind of surprised that Tomlin is the top. I mean, this team is kind of limping to the finish line, and I think that has to enter into something. Now we'll see how they finish up these last three games. But for me, the media narrative has got to be behind Ron Rivera. I mean, the guy battling cancer, they have to put a couch in on the opposing stadiums when they come in so he could take a nap because he's so fatigued from some of the treatments that he's had. I mean, this is a great job by him and this football team. But at the same time, you also have to look at the record and are they even going to be 500 when all said and done and win this division? <laughs> There's still some of that question out there. And I don't know if you can give coach of the year to a team that's under 500. I keep going to Stefanski because if I had a vote, that's where I'd vote. The Browns were six and 10 last year. They lost Odell Beckham. If I told you they finished this year, 10 and six, I, that's an incredible turnaround for a first year coach with a team. And on top of which, I mean, look, they got the Jets and Giants and the Steelers. Now, I would imagine there's at least one win in there against the Jets, maybe even two. They could even win 11 games. To me, Stefanski is the guy. I, even despite the fact that they lost that incredible game on Monday night, I'm I'm curious what your thoughts are. I, I know in Florida, Florida's got a good narrative too, but Stefanski to me is the guy if I had a vote who I'd be voting for. Well, if, if that's the case, I mean, throw, throw money at it. You got it right there. <laughs> I those odds are fantastic at 11 to 1. Um, yeah, I, I think that that there's there's certainly that chance, and again, we're not going to know until the end of the year. It's going to come down to who wins what. But you made a good point with Ron Rivera because certainly I think if they finish eight and eight, uh, I, I think that that could be a guy that they give it to. But right now, seems to be a little bit wide open. Very rare in the NFL. Any Richardi joins next. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. 
As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Hey, yo, welcome back, everybody. Fantasy Sports Today right here on Sports Grid, and it's Wednesday. That means my favorite other Italian, the one, the only Benny Ricciardi from Fade the Noise always joins us. And as you can tell, Benny was having a hard time trying to decide what to wear. And then he lost track of time. He did dress for the occasion. He's got the tie. But, you know, we had to press on. You know, television does not wait for any man, no matter how great of an ensemble you've put together. And let me say, this is a rather nice ensemble you've uh, put together. Always coordinating the hat. That's what I appreciate you about, Benny. I mean, you got to stay on brand. You know what I mean? It's it is what it is. But you know, I'm I'm actually up in North Jersey today. Normally, the last couple of weeks, I've been down at the beach hanging out, and uh, got a lot more room at the beach up here. We only got about a five room apartment in uh, in North Jersey, so I'm in front of my closet, as you can see. My bedroom's not that big. It is what it is. <laughs> okay, look, the video looks good. You wore the tie, so clearly you know what you're doing. Anybody wears a tie, that's why I wear a tie on Sunday, because I want everyone to take me seriously. You know, most people, you know, get dressed down on the weekends, not me. I dress up my Sunday best, but I love that you give us your best. And uh, hopefully you listened to Benny last week. If so, you made some money. And we're going to talk about some games coming up this week, too. And the first one here is the Raiders, who look like they are absolutely falling apart, taking on the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, this one's going to be in Vegas. Uh, The Raiders are basically showing us again just like last year, even though it's a little bit better, still not quite there. And the Chargers, look, I understand they came off that win after uh, basically them in Atlanta trying to go back and forth, trying to decide who wanted to lose that game more. Apparently it was the Falcons, but this number's three and a half, and the over-under in this game is 53. So to me, the most appealing thing about this game is the over-under. I think this is definitely an over with the way these teams are not playing defense, the injuries to the secondary for the Raiders. But I want to hear your thoughts about this one and what you approach the line on the three and a half. Yeah. So first off, I do not like the over, but we'll get. Oh, no, no, no. no. Let's get to that first. I want to have a nice, nice argument up at the top. Why don't you like the over? All right. Well, I mean, you look at the Chargers the last three weeks. They've scored 17-0-20 points in the last three games that they've played. So for this game to go over, you got to be expecting the Raiders to put up, what, 35 then to get them there or, you know, somewhere <laughs> somewhere around 28 to 30. And like you said, it's not like the Raiders have been playing all that great either. So I just don't see – I think the over is a little inflated here because you mentioned both of these defenses have really underperformed expectations mm-hmm. this year. So I know a lot of people are looking at this, but 53, Joe, is a big number. That's a size number. It is. And uh, you know what? They gave up 28 to the Jets a couple weeks ago, the Raiders. So I think Herbert could get right here a little bit. And they've got Eckler back. I think that helps. But I understand what you're saying. They've been underwhelming, no doubt about it. The Chargers are not on that same run offensively than they were, what, six, uh, seven weeks ago. No doubt about that. Yeah, and I mean, listen, we talked about when New England played uh, the Chargers, we talked about how, you know, it comes down to coaching here a little bit, right? And I know there's a lot of people out there that are not fans of John Gruden, but John Gruden's a football coach. He knows what he's doing out there. Anthony Lynn, again last week, proved that he does not know what he's doing out there. They won despite the bad decisions that he's made in that game. Now, here's the other thing that's important about this game to me. I actually have this game lined as minus five and a half. So I think there's a little bit of value here with the Raiders, about two points or so. The Raiders are seven and six right now. They are the last team on the bubble on the outside if the playoffs started today. So they can't lose any of these games going forward if they expect to make it to the postseason. They're going to need to win, and they're going to need to put everything together. And I think John Gruden, I have enough faith in him that he's going to figure out how to get that done. Now, the numbers are the important thing here. 
three and a half is not a number we ever like to take because you're losing mm-hmm. the hook on the field goal there. And the Chargers have played a lot of close games. I mean, you even you look at the games that they win, they usually win close. You look at the games that they lose. They true. Lose. That's true. Eight, I think they all except for one loss they've had this year has been eight points or less. So I don't want to be laying three and a half or anything, any, any number over three, basically, with the Raiders, because I agree with you. I don't think the Raiders are all that good, but I think they're good enough that they'll be able on a short week to beat a Chargers team that kind of beats themselves almost on a weekly basis. So, again, this is another one of those games where it comes down to coaching. And I'm taking the better coach in a game like this that I think is going to be pretty close, especially with the Raiders having something to play for and the Chargers really having nothing to play for. Well, last time Ty went to the coach with us and the Chargers, that was that Belichick game. And we all know how that one worked out. Uh, Shut out, just in case you're keeping score at home. All right, let's move on to, look, this is a huge game here. Obviously, the New Orleans Saints are going to be at home taking on the reigning, defending, undisputed Super Bowl champion Chiefs and the Chiefs are kind of limping in here a little bit like they haven't played their best football lately. You know, they, they did go down to Tampa and take care of business there. And they looked great in that first half and they struggled in the second. And then they came out flat a little bit against Denver. Some plays didn't go their way. And even with Miami, I would say even though they were up 30 to 10 in the fourth quarter of that game before they kind of let Miami back in. This was probably one of the worst Chiefs performances we've seen in a long time. So that being said, the Chiefs are still favorites on the road by three. The number uh, over under is 51 and a half. So take me through your thoughts on this one. Can Taysom Hill and the Saints keep this one close? Or do you think this is a get right game here for the Chiefs as they realize that, hey, look, you know, AFC is kind of up and down. Pittsburgh's falling off. This is kind of our conference to control, but got to look a little bit better. Got to have a better showing here, Benny. Yeah, so here's the thing with Kansas City. Kansas City is 12-1 and on the season, right? But they're only 6-7 and against the spread. Mm-hmm. And a big reason for that is most of the time we're seeing numbers for these Kansas City Chiefs games of minus 9, minus right. 8, minus 13. I mean, you know, so they're being asked to give up more than a touchdown there. And a lot of these times they've been getting backdoored. And for those who don't know what that means, it basically means that they were up by 10, 12, 14 points, and then they give up a late touchdown because their defense isn't really all that great. Or they come out flat, kind of like they did last week, and then just pour it on. I mean, they were down, I think it was 10 nothing in that game to Miami. or It might have even been 13 or 17 nothing, And then they just scored like 28 straight points. That's, that's just the way this Chiefs team is. They're so explosive. They can score on three or four possessions in a row. Touchdowns, too. Not just like, oh, we're getting field goals or we're getting points. Like, they put up sevens very often. And that's why I love betting on them. Because, again, if it's a close game at the end and the ball is in Patrick Mahomes' hands... I have total faith that Patrick Mahomes is going to get something done and, and go out there and win. And normally we have to lay, like I said, five, six, seven. Right. No, you're absolutely right. I, mean, I remember last time I saw a three it was probably what that Tampa game, right? That was the closest line we've had in weeks. Yeah. With and, them. and again, this is the thing with the Chiefs. Even though they're 12 and one and six and seven against the spread, they're always winning these games by a couple points. So they're playing well enough to get the victory. And here we only have three minutes. I mean, we only have three points that we really have to worry about here. It's not like we're asking them to lay, you know, seven or eight against New Orleans, in which case I'd probably be on the other side of this game. Mm. One thing I kind of like here, I like playing the Raiders money line and the Chiefs money line. You could parlay those two together and get plus 142. I think that's a really good bet this week if you want to go that route. I like that a lot. All right, let's move on to the next one here. Third down with Benny. Uh, Panthers at Packers. Alliteration aside, Packers are, you know, the class of this division. Aaron Rodgers had a great season in that MVP conversation. The Packers are favored by eight and a half. No surprise. The number is 51 and a half. So what is it about this game that has your ears perked? 
Well, really, it's the number right now. And I want people to understand, you got to go take this number, like, right now. Like, literally, pause the video, go take the number, and then come back and listen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to stay here. First right? of all, never pause. You should always be watching us live and then doing things in multitask. Just open up a separate window on another tab. Yeah, a new right? window. That's all you need. Just a new window. Something like that. But, it, but here's the deal with this game, right? Like, the number right now is Green Bay is at home, and the number is eight and a half. So... Mm -hmm. This is my favorite teaser piece game of the week. And we talk about teasers a lot. Last week, we talked about them, basically all four of those games. But when you have a number that's eight and a half, you can tease it down to two and a half. So you get through the seven and you get through the three. So if they win by a field goal, they win by a touchdown. Those numbers are now on your side, where if you take the eight and a half, you have to actually lay that there. The Packers are 10 and three. The Carolina defense is not very good. So I have no doubt in my mind that Green Bay is going to be able to score at will here. The Panthers, though, are they're a feisty team. You know, you're not you're not going to blow this team out. They got some good wide receivers. Teddy Bridgewater is a good quarterback. You know, Mike Davis has been doing a good job at running back. Mike Davis, unsung hero of the season. I mean, really, what what a job he's done in an impossible circumstance. Yeah, and and it really sucks for me because I was the guy who had the first pick in the first uh, uh, ball draft that went with uh, you know Christian McCaffrey there. Didn't. And that did not work out well. <laughs> yeah, I never had as many first overall picks or second even two this year, and that and Barkley just it just crushed, just crushed, just horrible. horrible. My all my best teams this year for like best ball and fantasy were all the ones where I had like picks three or four, and I took like Kamara or Dalvin Cook with my first pick. Those are the only teams I have that are still like alive right now because. Hey. I had an early draft team that actually, believe it or not, had Chubb and Cook because at the time Cook was holding out of that draft right. and Chubb people were worried about with Kareem Hunt. And I was like, you're going to give me those two guys at the turn? Okay. I don't think that's a good idea, but let's do that. Um, so anything else here for the Packers Panthers? So you think that the Panthers really keep this one? I like them. They're competitive. That's the one thing. They're like the Giants. They always fight that team. Yeah, and that's why I don't want to lay the eight and a half. That's why teasing it down to two and a half is the way to go here. And for those of you who don't know, if you look over on FanDuel, you see that right now that eight and a half is at minus 118. So normally all these are at minus 110. When you see a number that's bigger than 110, that means that there's a better chance that number is going to go up from eight and a half to nine or to 10 or whatever it is there. So like I said, take this right now because if it gets to nine, you can't tease through the three and then it's no longer a piece that I'm going to be loving. But right now, my favorite teaser piece of the week is uh, right. Green Real quick here, Patriots fourth down at Dolphins. I mean, Dolphins continue to fight here. Dolphins are two and a half point favorites in this one at home. Numbers 41 and a half. What are your thoughts on this one? So, Joe, it's fourth down, man. And I really don't know whether or not I want to go for this. So I want to bounce this off you right now. All right. So you have a rookie quarterback going up against Bill Belichick up in New England. Uh -huh. Something that none of them ever win in those games. He's something like 20 and five overall against rookie quarterbacks since he took over at uh, at New England. So you got an 80% chance based on those numbers that it's going to work out in New England's favor here, right? And then you look at Miami. Well, this one's in Miami. So just let's okay. keep that in mind. Well, this either way, he's still 20 right. and five against the rookies. But here's the thing that's important. I'm looking at this Miami team because my numbers actually came up that New England should be favored in this game, which I was shocked about. I went back and looked at it two or three times. I was like, there's no way. But here's the reason why. It's probably not going to be a Devontae Parker. You know Preston Wilson is uh, – Gesicki's hurt. Yeah. Yeah, Gesicki got hurt last game. They're going to be without their top three wide receivers to start the year, their top three running backs to start the year, and their number one tight end with a rookie quarterback going up against a Belichick coach team. I, I just, there's so many things here that just lead me to believe that this could be a game where New England pulls off an upset and people are like, wow, I didn't see that. Hey, and let's not forget too, a little bit of a, you know, maybe return 
from last year, week 17, where the Patriots did that W there and they didn't get it. And Miami went into their own building. So maybe a little bit of a revenge factor here for the yeah. Pats. I don't know if they got anything left, Benny. Like, I'm, I'm Mr. Patriot. I'll be the first one. I don't know what's left in that tank. Hey, All I know is Cam Newton ain't the answer, but you are. So make sure you follow Benny on Twitter and check him out at Fade the Noise. Follow him on Twitter at BennyR11. That'll do it for us here. We'll be back right after this. Don't go anywhere. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody. Fantasy Sports Today right here on SportsGrid. Great stuff, as always, from our good pal, Benny Ricciardi. You follow him for the knowledge, but you also follow him for the great ensembles. That's what you do. And now this next segment here, I thought we would take a little a little deep dive, a little closer look, as we all know all good things must come to an end, unfortunately, in life and in fantasy sports, and especially in fantasy football. And I thought it would be fun slash morbid slash fun again to take a look back at some great players in fantasy that are now probably at the very end. These are players that this year we still had some hope for, maybe a little bit of a glimmer here and there, but unfortunately, things did really just not work out for them. And now going forward next year, they are probably no longer fantasy assets. And some of these guys are former first-round picks. Heck, there's one guy on this list that's actually a former number one overall pick multiple times. But alas, this is what happens sometimes. Football is a fickle mistress. And here we are in 2020, turning the page to 2021. And these guys are definitely going to be on the do-not-draft list going forward, I can tell you that. Let's start with Mark Ingram. And Mark Ingram, certainly as a 30-year-old running back, people said, well, last year was going to be the end, and it wasn't. Last year, he was great. Ten touchdowns last year for Mark Ingram, 1,000 yards, his third 1,000-yard rushing season. But alas, it was not meant to be, unfortunately, for Mark Ingram this year. This year, Mark Ingram fell off the map. This year, he was passed on the depth chart by not only Gus Edwards, but also the young J.K. Dobbins. And now, Mark Ingram is unfortunately on the sidelines watching again. And Mark Ingram has been that guy Many times, even with Kamara back with the Saints, where people would look at Mark Ingram and say, no, you can't you can't think he's valuable anymore. He has no fancy value because Alvin Kamara was there. Well, both those guys were great a couple of years ago, and both of them finished basically as RB1s together on the same team. So Mark Ingram was an asset that consistently defied the odds. But unfortunately for Mark Ingram, the time has come. It is over. The fantasy is over for Mark Ingram. The fantasy is also over for Todd Gurley, unfortunately. And I was somebody last year that wanted to give Todd Gurley benefit of the doubt. And he got a lot of volume last year, certainly down by the goal line, scored a lot of touchdowns, made him uh, a high-end RB2 last season. I was kind of hoping for more of the same. I was kind of hoping for maybe fresh start. You give him another chance. I have to say maybe in my 10 leagues, I had one, maybe two shares of Todd Gurley at the most because I wasn't loving it that much. But I thought it was worth a little speculation. Unfortunately, that is not the case anymore. It's going to be hard-pressed to find a spot for Todd Gurley next year on a fantasy team or a reality on a team. I don't know where he ends up. It was a one-year deal that he had there with Atlanta, which was a smart deal for everybody. And that was another reason going into this year, there was a small glimmer of hope that Todd Gurley could outperform that and could show up and cash in one more time. I'm glad Todd Gurley's on a lot of commercials the last couple of years, making some extra cash. Good on him. Todd Gurley was all world, all class, number one overall pick material, a guy who had two of the best seasons in fantasy football history back to back. But unfortunately, it looks like 
it is now coming to an end for Todd Gurley. And I know that's sad because he's not that old. He has not had the same run, no pun intended, as Mark Ingram's had. But Todd Gurley is a fantasy asset. I'm sorry. The fantasy is over, Todd, and we have to move on. Let's talk about another guy, too. Another guy who was actually a number one overall pick not that long ago, David Johnson. I know a lot of people are looking at him this year and saying, well, David Johnson, look, I mean, the Houston Texans are a team that loves to run the ball on first down, but he's not that kind of a guy. He was kind of a weird mismatch going in and certainly couldn't live up to the hype of that trade being traded for DeAndre Hopkins. What? One of the worst trades in NFL history, there's no doubt about that. But alas, we have to evaluate the player just on what he did this year. And unfortunately, he's fallen short. You can watch him and you could say, well, you know, he's a guy that'll, you know, probably rush 14 times, get you 50 yards, maybe a touchdown here and there. But that's not what David Johnson was. And unfortunately, David Johnson, when we look back now, is going to be more of a flash in the pan type of player. than he was going to be a guy that we look back and say, this was a great fantasy guy for many years because he just wasn't. He had one great season and flashed it some other times. But unfortunately, David Johnson was lightning in a bottle. And it is funny to me how the loyalty of some fantasy football people out there continuously will go on and on and on chasing what was or what, what one great season was. But in reality, it was just one great season and we chased it too long. Let's get to the wide receivers here, too. Let's talk about some of the uh, fantasies being over for these guys. And the first one is A.J. Green. Age has caught up with him. Injuries caught up with him. And alas, here we are at the end of A.J. Green's fantasy career, at least. Now, we'll see next year if he hooks up with another team. It's very possible. But, Craig, you know, as we kind of look at some of these names on this list here, and starting with A.J. Green, then we'll move on to the other ones. I had some shares of A.J. Green. The running backs, not so much. But in terms of the wide receivers, A.J. Green was a guy who was taking a shot on a lot because he was basically going as a wide receiver three. And it's sad to me that the fantasy is over, especially because early in the season, we saw this guy just absolutely get peppered with targets by Joe Burrow. But unfortunately, they never seemed to link up. And then the guys in the depth chart passed him. Tyler Boyd passed him. T. Higgins passed him. And now we're sitting here with A.J. Green as an asset no longer in the fantasy community. So even if he gets another shot next year, I think it's safe to say the fantasy is over for A.J. Green. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, it, it certainly appears that way. And I think it's a good lesson moving forward that targets don't always lead to success. And mm-hmm. when anyone ever brings it up in the future, maybe nine times out of ten, that does mean it. But in this particular case, it did not. And I'm with you. I, I don't think that no matter where he ends up next year, that he's as good as he ever was with Cincinnati. And there clearly was a reason why he sat out all of last year. And I'm not sure that it, it was anything except for injury. And that's what it was. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, for sure. And and I think that, look, it's it certainly was plausible to take him at the beginning of the season, but it didn't work out. Uh, Fitzgerald at this stage is a Hall of Famer. I'd be very surprised to see him come back again next year that wouldn't make a lot of sense and then for julian edelman what potentially could be a hall of fame career as well we'll see if that plays out in the end but i'm with you i I don't think that any of these three are hall of famers and and going back to as you were discussing the running backs too uh, i do think ingram will get another shot somewhere else i do think that because his Mm. his season was really marred by injury and i could see him making a team out of camp and being somewhere else i don't see todd Gurley or david johnson playing in the nfl next year i think that their careers are over wow Wow, that's amazing because Ingram is the oldest of the three. And I can understand that. I mean, Ingram has been a durable guy for most of his career, but he really has. 
So, you know, he has. He had that one suspension a few years ago, but that's really the only big chunk of time that he missed in recent memory. And, and I'll, I'll say this about Larry Fitzgerald. If he does come back because he's tempted of, well, maybe we can be a playoff team next year and make that one last run. And a lot of people didn't think he was going to play this year. It's unfortunate. Uh, he is a Hall of Fame wide receiver, no doubt about that. A.J. Green, I don't know about. Julian Edelman's been an unsung fantasy hero in PPR for many years. I mean, this was a dude who was catching 100 balls some seasons, a PPR monster, regardless of the fact that maybe the touchdowns were limited. I mean, most seasons you look up and there'd be anywhere from four to seven touchdowns for Julian Edelman, but that's not why you drafted him. You drafted him because this was a guy that had incredible weekly floor. And what you've seen here in the last couple of years is the deterioration of the body of Julian Edelman. I mean, he just takes massive amounts of hits. The body's taking hits. He's had the torn ACL. He's had the shoulder issues. He's had multiple concussions. And I think the body just can't go anymore. And I know he's trying to play this week. I know they're trying to get him active. But it just feels like, unfortunately for Julian Edelman, the career might be coming to an end. I hope that's not the case for him. And if it is, I hope that he's at peace with that. But from a fantasy perspective, even if he does come back with the Patriots or somebody else, I think all three of those wide receiver names are names that if they are on another team, they shouldn't be on your team. And I think that's the most important thing to to point out to everybody here going forward, because there's only so long you can go with some of these assets. Frank Gore is an anomaly. Frank Gore is a vampire. I have no idea what Frank Gore is getting up every morning and drinking that he could be 40 years old and playing running back in the NFL, but he can, and he's amazing. Let's get to some of the other guys in some other positions where the fantasy is definitely over, Craig. And Greg Olson, look, everyone thought the fantasy was over for him already, but unfortunately ending with this injury. Now the question is, does he want to end his career on an injury? I know that Booth is just waiting for him. He's got the jacket. He's got the microphone. He's ready to go. One of the better fantasy tight ends, I would say, in the last decade, a guy that you could always count on. Unfortunately, though, it feels like the end. And look, broadcasting is a lot easier. It's not It's not easy. But it's a lot easier than playing tight end in the NFL. So I would imagine the fantasy is over for Greg Olson, right? You would agree it's time he's going to probably move on, right? Yeah, and I think it is for another Miami uh, tight end. Even though Jimmy Graham was somewhat viable this season, I think mm-hmm. that the fantasy time is over for him too. Remember, Jimmy Graham, very good with Seattle and the Saints for many years and actually started off pretty well with the Bears and then nothing for two months but did catch a touchdown this patch, past week. So I'd put him in that same category there. Both players played at the University of Miami at tight end. Um, Jason Witten also came back. Remember, let's not, let's not forget that. But uh, I think his fantasy was over even before he started this year. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And and look, I'll I'll say this too. You know, Jimmy Graham was actually on my mind and then he had that touchdown. I was like, oh, he'll probably catch on somewhere else next year. And tight end is always a mess. Somebody probably take a shot, but you're right. I'm with you. He was almost on this list for me. And I ended up going Greg Olson definitively of saying, no, the Mm. fantasy is over. It's done. But I got to tell you, I think my instinct is right in line with yours, which is I definitely think the Bears are going to turn the page to Cole Komet full time next year. So where Jimmy Graham ends up, I don't know, but I think it should be done in terms of fantasy. Like, I don't think just because he's an established name, you can go back down to that. Well, just like Witten, just like Olsen, you know, age is not the friend of the football player, especially in these day and age. Uh, Nick Foles, quarterback wise, I think is fantasy done. I really do. I, I think enough is enough. It was a magical run. It was great. And if you look at the stats in other places, they haven't been good. He wasn't good in Jacksonville. He wasn't really good with the Chiefs. I mean, he's been in lots of different places here. And there was one fantastic run. Yes, I get it. I understand. That's cool. But really, I mean, how many times in Superflex leagues are we going down this? Well, Nick Foles has some potential as a second quarterback. Enough already. I don't know where he's going to be next year. But I think the fantasy is over for Nick Foles. Is there any other quarterback besides Foles for you that the fantasy is over with? Probably Cam Newton. Oh, 
another good one. Oh, how did I miss that? How did I miss that? So he, you Probably say he's Cam not playing Newton. in the NFL at all, or he's just a backup somewhere next year? Um, that's going to be a tough one. I, mm-hmm. I don't know what what his thought process is, but I would doubt that he goes into a season next year as a starter. So he'll have to make a choice. And if the choice, and here's the good news for Cam Newton. And and I think this is this is probably the deal. If Cam Newton plays next year, I think he's playing another ten years in the NFL. I think he's just going to continue to play and and continue oh, to like back up guy. and and wait for yeah. other opportunities, or he walks away basically on top. Because let's be honest, like he he's getting out of this season with a pretty good year rushing the ball and everything. But I think we also know that the odds of him becoming a top guy again are are done. Um, I would also I would also say that in terms of fantasy, I'm not quite there yet, but I'm getting close on Matt Ryan. I'm getting close on Matt Ryan. I think yeah. I, I, I think Matt we're Ryan nearing the end. A lot of those older quarterbacks, I think you can at least as QB ones, let's put it that way. As QB ones, right. I think like those Rivers, names I don't even out. include here because you're crazy if you're starting him anyway. But he'll have a good game here or there. I think that you're gonna see Ryan. First of all, I think Ryan has been better than Rivers over the course of his career. But I think that you're going to see Ryan like Rivers next year. Good game, bad game, good game, bad game. Oh, there's seen too it this many year. bad games. Yeah, there's there, there been year. too many duds. Uh, I'll put it too many yeah, duds. no, I, I don't. I don't disagree with you there. I don't, you know, I kind of wonder, you know, Baltimore right now is down to, you know, RG3's hurt, McSorley's hurt, everyone's on IR. They've got some. I forget who the name of the backup is this week, but it's not a pretty situation. Well, I wonder if Cam think? Newton is the yeah. yeah is the is the is the Cam Newton to Baltimore as a backup because of that style offense a thing that would be an interesting marriage potentially. I, I guess because you know you can only run that offense with so many different kind of quarterbacks, right? And the last guy in this list was Stephen Goskowski, who was a kicker people used to reach for. But nobody's reaching for him anymore. I think the fantasy is over. I think we can officially say that. We did it with Venetieri a couple years ago. Now it's time to do it with Goskowski. The fantasy is over. Yep, that's right. I mean, sometimes it just happens. He's got, you know, people talk about running backs falling off the map. How about kickers falling off the map? Because we've seen that. Kickers are just, they're great. They're great. And then all of a sudden, it's over. And I think it's over for Stephen Goskowski. Listen, Goskowski had a very good career. It's it's so interesting that Venetieri, the least likely Hall of Famer, is probably the most surefire Hall of Famer of anybody who left the game last year. I mean, he's a 100% Hall of Famer. And Kicker, I agree. We'll be right back. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back. NFL Network reporting. Daniel Jones has suffered another injury, but a different one. This one, an ankle, uh, in addition to... The knee that he had this past week, his status appears to be in doubt. And certainly the Giants, uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe Colt McCoy could pull off a couple wins. You never know. I wouldn't doubt that. But keep an eye on that for those of you still alive in your fantasy football playoffs with Daniel Jones. There's no way. You're out. You're out. So forget I just said that. You got no, if, if you're still playing Daniel Jones, you literally drafted the best team ever outside of that. But uh, for betting perspective, definitely interesting this week. Okay, over to trivia we go. Well, look, you asked for this, so you're going to get it. Jamal Adams broke the single season sack record with eight and a half by a defensive back. But the question is, 
whose record was it? These are three pretty good backs here. Uh, three great safeties. You got Brian Dawkins of the Eagles, Adrian Wilson of the Cardinals, and C. Joy Palomalu of the Pittsburgh Steelers. All guys who could get after the quarterback, no doubt about that. So, Craig, who's your answer? Which way are you going to go? All right, I'm not going to overthink this. I don't know why Adrian Wilson is on here. My overthinking it means I should pick him because I don't I don't know why he would be on here, but I'm going to say C, Troy Palomalu. It is B, Adrian Wilson. I don't know yeah, if you're just I doing this. It. I knew it. I knew it. I mean, literally going into the break, you said, it's. It, why is Adrian Wilson on this list? He's on this list because it was him. That's why. And I gave you two big I know, names. And I, know, like, I know. God, you just love stars. You are a star guy. You just always gravitate. You know, not everybody's a all-time great. Some guys are just really good NFL players. But here's the thing. The number was eight. Jamal Adams is eight and a half. Let's not forget Jamal Adams missed a bunch of time already this year. This is a stunning defensive performance, and he's probably not going to win Defensive Player of the Year. But my goodness, Jamal Adams should be in that conversation at least. I can't believe the Jets moved on from a player of this magnitude. He's such a phenomenal talent, and the way they're using him in Seattle defensively is just fabulous. And this guy's got eight and a half sacks. He's got more sacks than games played this year. It is stunning, and there's still a couple weeks left to go. I mean, Jamal Adams, one of the absolute best game wreckers uh, that there is in the NFL. And to the Daniel Jones point, some people in Superflex have Daniel Jones. I just want to point that That's out. True. It's a secondary yeah. quarterback. He was pretty good no sleep. So, flexors, I got you. Yeah, hit the wire. <laughs> yeah, I, I got to say that I did not know enough about Adams after seeing him play this year. He's, he's fantastic. Hour two is next. Don't go away. Build digital-first customer relationships with Salesforce Digital 360. Connect every marketing, commerce, and digital experience on a single platform. Innovate fast with easy-to-launch sites, campaigns, and apps. That's more relationships, more revenue, more return, and more success. Salesforce Digital 360. Hear from our customers at sfdc.co slash digital 360. 